the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halabi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me this morning. It's always nice to, to have company on an early morning. Hey, we've got a couple of things to talk about today. You know, one of them is a little bit more uncomfortable. One of them is actually, uh, I don't know, I, I guess it's truthful. Isn't it interesting when people in your life tell you the truth? Uh, of course, do it with love or, you know, enough love so that you, you think of it and you say, well, you know, I guess maybe I, I ought to reconsider some things. So we're going to do our best to, to have a little bit of love and concern because I think you need to know the truth about some things. And it even it, it will even challenge those of you that are more on the right on conservative thinking, uh, what we call logical thinking people uh, when it comes to the uh, the ideas of money, retirement. Spending your lifestyle uh, for the for the next 15, 20, 30 years of your life and doing it the right way. My name is Arif Hallaby. We're Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial Insurance Services. Uh, the Total Financial Hour. Uh, let me give you the phone number. I'm going to give it to you a couple of times throughout the hour. Uh, at least maybe uh, grab a pen. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888 888- Nine nine seven three eight four seven. Okay, here's a couple of things that I wanted to touch on. First of all, when it comes to an inheritance, this is important because recently we're just having a lot of this come through our office. What I like to do is, is try to keep the show as fresh as possible by letting you know what's happening, what we see as trends, what we see as happening uh, in the uh, in the consumer in the financial world, and tips and tricks, and and uh, maybe uh, touching on some of the rules and the laws that are changing along the way. So, okay, when it comes to inherited IRAs or inherited money, inherited uh, real estate, etc., what are you supposed to do with it? What happens? What's the right thing? What are we supposed to do so we don't get ourselves into trouble financially speaking? Well, I'll make it clear here because there's a couple of things that you need to know about. I always come from a place where inherited money is a little bit more, uh, I don't know, righteous, holy. What is the right word? Somebody earned this money for a day to spend it, to do something with it, and they couldn't do it. In other words, they, they, it's like Moses in the promised land, right? He brought him all the way to the edge. He knew he's not able to go in, and he did it for somebody else. It was a sacrifice. Somebody sacrificed for this money for you to have an opportunity to do stuff that they couldn't do. So I don't want you to disrespect the money, disrespect the inheritance, by blowing it on things that are 
Well, where you would spend your own money sometimes, right? You can blow your own. You go to work. You make your money. You want to buy 75 pairs of whatever or, or 15 new purses because you just got a bonus or, or uh, you know, the fancy new sports car. That, that's up to you. That, you go do what you want to do. It's your money. I support that 100%. But when you inherit money, I think you got to look at it just a second or a third time. Back up just a little bit. Think about the person that, that earned it. Think about the sacrifice that went into it. Think about maybe what they would have wanted. Now, now, granted, I don't want you to spend it that way where they would have done this. I hate it, but I'm going to do it because they would have done it. No, no. Just have a little bit more respect for it, okay? Because inherited money is a privilege. Nobody has to give you their money. I don't care if you're their children. I had a, a gentleman walk out of the office. Well, I use that word loosely. A man walk out of the office because his mom was a client and she wanted to put a charity for some of the money, a niece and a nephew for some of the money, and then some of it for her son. And her, her son stood up and was so angry. And he said, who do you think is going to take care of you between now and the time you die? And she was, she, she was scared. She said, well, well, I thought it was you. Well, I'm not going to do anything. If you don't put me down for all of that money, and right now I'm going to demand money up front just in case you change your mind. And I, I thought, wow, here's a guy who still lives with his parents, not because he's taking care of his mom because he hadn't really not needed to do that. And he had the guts to do that. I mean, don't you think, wow, what, what a son of a gun. Right. And no shame in front of a stranger. Right. People have arguments all the time. Husbands and wives and kids and moms and dads. I get it. Family arguments, discussions, whatever. But to have it in front of a stranger in a public, sort of speak, place, my office. You think, wow, wouldn't you have a little shame, a little guilt of feeling so? Nope, not at all. Not at all. So I know that there are people like that out there. And behind the scenes, imagine the pressure people must put on others. If they'll do that in front of a stranger, so to speak, right? So there's a few things I want to do. Want you to consider with inherited money. First of all, don't make decisions the next day and certainly not in a couple of days. Give yourself a little bit of time. I like to say at least six months. Some people say, well, you know, he's been sick for a while. She's been sick for a while. We knew this was coming. So I've been dealing with my grieving for a while. Okay, I, I, I guess that's... All right, I understand it. And you don't maybe want to say it, but maybe you've been thinking about spending the money for a long time before they've passed away because you knew what was coming your way. So, okay, six months might be okay. Some people will say a year. What I like to do is see at least one or two big holidays, birthdays, anniversaries, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever it is, Passover. Let a couple of big family things where that person would have been there. Let that come and go. Make sure you're emotionally okay and the new normal for you is is having this person gone, right? So, so that is a little bit of a time frame. Put it into a, a CD at a bank or uh, a fixed money market account. It doesn't have to be anything dramatic. It can stay there for six months. You're not going to earn a whole lot of interest. Look, there's there's a few things that you can do with money. You can get high rates of return. You can have safety where it doesn't go backwards. 
and you can have liquidity, which means access to the funds. Pick two of those, and I'll tell you where to put it, <laughs> right? Because you can't have all three. You just can't. It doesn't exist right now in the marketplace. All right, second, people will run and pay off debts. I like that. It's a good idea. But before you do that, ask yourself, why did I get into debt? If it was an event, then let's pay them off. Keep some money for emergencies, for savings, for for an emergency loan. Got it. I'm good with that. But if it was because of a pattern of behavior, I just don't make enough money at work. I have to spend a little on my credit card each month just to live. I'm not a fan of that. The problem is not your debts. The problem is your lifestyle. It's your habits. So getting to pay off your debt is nothing. It, it means nothing. You're right back in the same boat and you disrespected the money because you used it to pay off things that you had no business charging. Now, you'll adjust it, all of us in our lives. Nobody wants to imagine us being the bad guy in the story. So instead, what do you do? <laughs> well, you pay off debts and you say, well, but for these 18 things that happened in my life, to me, slash I'm a victim, to me, then I wouldn't have these debts. Mm, probably not. I would say not. Your concern and what you have when it comes to your debts is a personal problem that an inheritance, in my opinion, should never be used for because it leaves the world of respect. Right? A little bit of reverence for that money to pay for a cheeseburger you ate six weeks ago I don't know if that's okay. I think that's different. If you say, listen, it would help me retire earlier by paying off my house. I like that idea. The car that I've had that I've been able to pay for, no problem. I'm making my monthly payments. I could pay that a little off earlier. I'm all for that. Student loans, right? You've heard me rail against student loans. But sometimes people are stuck. I'm okay with that. But if it's credit card debt or a personal loan or you've refinanced your house 18 times or you have a second and a third mortgage on it, I'm not a fan of those ideas. Those are habit issues, right? That's a personality issue uh, much, much greater than just a money problem. All right, so, so if we do that, we pay off certain debts, big debts. I don't want you to do that and have nothing in an emergency account. Right, A lot of people will go through life and they'll, they'll say, hey, listen, uh, my emergency account is my credit card. I could take a cash advance. I have a mortgage on a house. I actually had a client. They were in the entertainment industry. And they had back in the, back in the 04, 05 days where their mortgage was like a savings account is what they called it. They would put money in, take money out. Oh, we, we just made $50,000. let us put it against the house. So their home equity increases, and then they need money. They just write a check, and it acts like a checking and savings. So they said, until the liquidity crisis in 2008 occurred in nine, and suddenly all of the money that was in their account was no longer accessible. Why? Because if you think your home equity line of credit is there for you to put and take, that is not true. The bank controls how much access you have. Imagine if you had money in a savings account, and a bank says, oh, we took your money. You no longer have any more. Or we gave you 5000 I know you thought you had 100000 but now you have five. You would say, this is crazy. So if you're using your bank as a home equity line of, 
deposit and withdraw like this particular client did, you will be stuck like they were. When they come walking in the door and said, all of our savings was in our home equity. Good news is we have home equity line of credit. Bad news is we can't access it because the bank locked down all that money. So don't do that. Have an emergency account. I like credit unions more than I like banks. If you work at a bank, you think that's a bad idea. If you've been to a credit union, they tend to treat you a little nicer. People stay a little longer. They don't bounce around to this downtown branch and the west side branch. Credit unions seem seem to care about you a little bit more. So I like that idea. I like the idea of having somebody know my name, quick and easy to make a deposit. Hey, I now I need to I need to get this check cleared a little bit faster. Not the five day or the ten day waiting. And they pull up your account and they go, Oh, of course, Mr. Hallaby, we know you. And they'll open it up, you know, they'll clear it a little sooner. So those kinds of things, relationships matter. So that's why I like credit unions versus and they, they also pay a little higher interest rate, by the way, guys. Now online banks and credit unions, of course, do not have the overhead. Of a, of a brick and mortar and all the institutional expenses. So you can consider that as well. I'm, I'm not familiar enough with them. Uh, I would certainly not use them, but that maybe is a bit more old-fashioned. Okay? I don't see it any different than, uh, I don't know, giving my money into cyberspace, Bitcoin or something. I just don't understand it, so it's not my thing. Okay. Here's another part of it, guys. I'd like you to have some of it invested. Now, when I say invested, I'm going to put quotes around that. I don't mean go out and speculate in a stock that you've never heard of or your brother-in-law's business is a motorcycle repair shop and it's the best in the world and people will come from all over. Forget it. I want some for your future. In other words, let's expand it. If you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, or even 60s or 70s, chances are you're going to need money for the longer term. Now, listen, if you're in your 90s, don't buy green bananas. But other than that, I'm okay with you thinking about the longer term. Because the long term might be four, five, six, seven years. And I think we're going to have more problems, not less. Right? I think we're going to have more problems when it comes to the markets, not less problems. So... I want you to have a little bit for emergencies. You've heard me talk about safer financial choices. You've heard Dennis and Larry both uh, recommend what we do. Look, it took us a few minutes to, <laughs> to get them to, to agree to, to, to endorse us, right? We had to have multiple meetings. They had to, took, it took weeks, probably months. What do you do? Why do you do it? What's, I had to meet with Dennis and Sue. Sue's a very intelligent lady and, and sat down and said, hey, let me ask some questions. So part of what I want you to do is to have this experience where some of the money that you inherited isn't just gone in a car that goes down in value or in last month's cheeseburger or I don't want it to be used to pay off your house where next month you're going to have to pay property taxes. Right? Some of you think you pay off your house. Arif, the goal is to pay off my house. I said, I want to give you a surprise. You never own your house. Well, yes, I do. Look at the mortgage. We burned burned the mortgage. Not true. It's called property taxes. Well, that's not the same. It, listen, you can call it Bozo the Clown. I don't care. 
You can call it property taxes. In China, you never own your property. You rent it from the state for 90 years. Guess what? You're renting your house from the government, from the state or the county for 90 years. What's the difference? You're not going to be alive in 90 years. You pay the same thing. In China, they can take your house, but they have to pay for it. Surprise, the same thing here called eminent domain. Right? So, listen, I'm not comparing you know, our government systems at all. But let me tell you, when I've been in China a few times, the people are amazing, the homes are incredible, and they have to rent it from the government. It's called tax, property tax. So, guys, you never own your house outright. It's not yours to do with as you choose. Try to light it on fire, right? You'll get in trouble for starting a fire. So these are things that you understand. You have to always have money set aside to pay for those expenses. The roof needs to be repaired, the plumbing, the sewer line. These are important things to maintain, quote, your investment, which is your property, your house, okay? So I always like money set aside. We like safer choices. I like using fixed or fixed indexed annuities. I like longer term, right? If you want uh, the stock market investments, the, the risk, no problem. You find an expert there. If anybody tells you they can do everything, they're selling solutions, they can do everything. Listen, you got to ask them, what do you do great? Because if you can do everything good, then you can't do anything great. I don't have the same guy who's a doctor, has the white coat. And I say, while you're at it, I need some brain surgery and podiatry. And I have an issue with my orthopedic, you know, my knee. Can you fix that while you're working on my, my heart? You wouldn't. You would go to a doctor who's a specialist in one area, a doctor who's a specialist. They both are called doctor. They both went to the same school, maybe. I want somebody who deals with safe money every single day. And I want somebody who deals with risk money every single day. I don't want somebody who thinks they can do both. Okay, because they can't do anything very well, in my opinion. Ask yourself, trust your gut. We're going to get to your gut instincts here in a minute, and I want you to check them out. Say, oh, this is a mechanic. The guy says he can fix my windshield wiper blades, work on my transmission, and by the way, I'm going over the Rocky Mountains. Can you work on my brakes while you're at it? You might say, gosh, buddy, what is it that you do all the time? Because that's what I want you to do. And then I'm going to go down the street to the person who does this all the time. Because I just can't trust one person to be great at everything. Okay, next on uh, inheritance. Tell me about getting advice. I think, number one, especially if you are a trustee, I'm going to share with with you something I, I dealt with just recently. A trustee is the person whose job it is to take over your wishes, basically to implement. They, they're the executor. They execute your wishes. Now, if you've ever had the privilege or in some cases the curse of being that person, let me tell you some experiences that I have. I'm not a lawyer, but I'm going to tell you my personal experiences. Number one, never name two people. Always name one. Sometimes people say, oh, the boy and the girl, so they, they get along. I'm going to force them to get along. No, you're going to force three lawyers to be involved. One for him, one for her, and one for the trust. And guess who pays for it? Uh, the trust. And if it's $500 an hour per, every time they have a conversation, it's $500 an hour times three. That's $1,500 an hour for there to be a, quote, problem, conversation, solution, whatever. And your trust, your inheritance, folks, pays for it. 
So I don't think you should have more than one. That's my experience. Second, my experience has taught me this. Try not to, best you can, everything you can, unless it's a really small estate, do not have one of the beneficiaries be the executor. The oldest son, the oldest daughter. The smart one, no, no. Have an attorney or a professional group. Depending on the size of the estate, you know, certain institutions can do it. Yes, they're going to charge a fee. But if you ever want your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren to ever talk to each other, then don't let their parents or grandparents get upset with each other. Right? Over the vase or the, the dining room table or grandma said I could have that picture. Let alone the money. Don't. Let them all hate that one person. Let them all hate the lawyer. Let them all really hate the, the professional trustee who doesn't care, has zero emotional connection to your stuff. And all they're going to do, because by the way, the laws and the rules in separating an estate and the law and the uh, CPA, the tax filings, and the notifications that have to go out, folks, that, that you get, if you've ever done this, and many of you have, it almost seems like you have a law degree by the end of the story, huh? It almost seems like you're sitting there going, gosh, uh, I know exactly what to do next. Because so many people forget that it's, especially the larger estate, right? If it's $50,000, $100,000, that's certainly a lot of money. But a lawyer isn't going to look at that and say, I'm going to take this on contingency. That's one of the scariest things you can hear if you're on the other side of that conversation. Why? Because the lawyer can only get paid if they defeat you. That means if you have a $1.6 million estate, as which came across my desk recently, and one of the children were the beneficiaries and had to deal with multiple other beneficiaries, all of a sudden, my goodness, you don't think a lawyer is going to say, oops, uh, I think she's probably not doing it the right way. So why don't we sue her? We'll file a lawsuit. And the only way he's going to get paid is to take money from everybody else. All right. So please be careful with that. In addition to all of that, guys, there's one other thing that I noticed uh, that we run across. Whenever you're dealing with a trust uh, process, make sure that you're doing everything up to date, power of attorneys, healthcare directives, Make sure you check in every few years. I don't know if you have to do it every year or every, even every other year. But laws change. Things change. You may want to remove beneficiaries, add beneficiaries, adjust percentages. And those things can happen. And as they do, it's up to you to make sure you up, you're updating your uh, beneficiary list. Because throughout this whole process, there's enough pitfalls, where ultimately that child is going to have to hire a lawyer anyway, or hire a CPA anyway. So yes, you were going to pay for it. You might as well not have to pay twice, or at least make sure it's done right the first time. Because this can affect a lot of what you're thinking and you're planning for your retirement future. Because I want there to be peace of mind. If you are going to give out a loan, if you're going to help your your grandchild buy a, a first condo, or you're going to help your daughter buy her house. If you're going to do those things, write them down, even if it's a gift, because the other beneficiaries will say, 
well, dad lent you that money. Mom lent you that money. No, they didn't. They said I could have it. It, it would be forgiven upon their passing. No, no, no. If you're going to lend money to somebody, or maybe you're the one that took the money, maybe you're the one that received it because of all you've done for grandma or mom, then you go get it in writing and you have it as part of the trust that this money is a gift or this money is part of your inheritance and it reduces it accordingly. And finally, when it comes to beneficiaries that are churches, charities, and organizations, my experience has been that when you give out percentages, you create problems because all of them want the pie to be larger. So the different organizations from the Catholic Church to American Red Cross, they all have a vested interest in making sure that the pie is larger because they get a percentage of the pie. If you give them $50,000, then they don't care how big the pie is. They get 50. If you give them 10,000, they get 10. So take away the percentages and instead turn it into dollars. All right, when we come back, symbolism over substance. Hey, can that really affect your retirement? Oh, my word. Wait till we come back when we, we return on the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. You're listening to the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer, 888-99-RETIRE. Give me a call, 888-997-3847. The Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Now Arif has a plan for me. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. All right, we're talking about your uh <laughs> well, gosh, your retirement life. Triple eight ninety nine retire. I've already given that out a few times. Eight 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 eight. Nine nine seven three eight four seven. All right, uh, symbolism over substance. You might have heard me talk about that before. Uh, why does liberalism rely on that? And really, in fact, it's the progressives. You know, the typical liberal way of going about things uh, is different, right? You get to speak, I get to speak. Argue the best arguments win. Even if I feel like my ar- uh, argument is different at the end of the story, that's okay. I- I'm all right with that. But the problem is this. Symbolism over substance is going to cost you, especially as it continues here in California, I think it's going to cost you a lot of money in retirement. I think it's going to cost your retirement and your lifestyle and your quality of life substantially. Now, you might say, well, gosh, Arif, prove it. No problem. Here's how we go. Because I think it's going to hurt your retirement life because there are taxes for useless ideas. They always sound good. It sounds good at the time. We meant well. It felt good. Don't you feel better? And at the end, everybody has a conversation about feelings and, and they, they high-five each other, they shake each other's hand, and they walk out and go to the bar. And you have to go back and say, hey, guys, this is symbolism over substance. Nothing is getting done. Let me give you some examples. The train to nowhere, right? One of the the biggest boondoggles probably ever since the big dig out in Boston and this, quote, public works project at a time when they were, when it was not liked by by the city, the the counties, the states, uh, the state that it went through. It was only liked by the elite politicians. In fact, you understand that the very first 
check or one of the first, right? I wasn't there. The very first set of checks that was cut. <laughs> Ready? Diane Feinstein's husband. Senator Diane Feinstein. She received her husband received $100 million for his company to do quote surveying. What a waste. You mean to tell me Listen, there's got to be some self-awareness somewhere, guys. Right? Couldn't you get to a point where you say, hey, listen, I am married to this uh, U.S. senator, one of the top U.S. senators in the country with tenure and experience. And yes, I, I've done this for a while. And yes, I'm good at it. And I get it. Uh, but you know what? It's just not going to look good. Uh, I'm, I'm going to work on bidding for other projects across the country. You mean to tell me there isn't another company out there that can do the same or even a better job? And just to avoid the appearance, Hunter Biden, right? Just to avoid the appearance, Joe Biden, of your political BS, where somebody could say, well, this doesn't sound right. Remove it. Remove it. And so why this matters, I think, to you and me is because they canceled that. And Diane Feinstein, who, whose husband took that $100 million check, and at the same time, $100 million, do you guys know how much money that is? It's a lot. And at the same time, dealt with 21 years in her office, her assistant, her driver, her special assistant was a Chinese spy. Do, do you not understand, like, oh my gosh? She was in the Senate Armed Services, Senate Foreign Intelligence. She received the same briefings as the last four presidents. And China had a one-way ticket to 100% of everything that was happening, all the conversations that were happening in her car, all the conversations, the, the paperwork, whatever was on the desk late at night, early in the morning, whatever emergencies were coming in, why are we not chasing her out with, with uh, you know, hordes of paperwork and subpoenas? I, I don't know, you guys. And we give them $100 million. You don't think symbolism over substance is going to change your financial life? Let's go over this. Plastic straws. You're like, oh, Arif, that doesn't matter. Plastic bags. Let's ban them. Why? Because it just feels good. Show a picture of a turtle, you know, with its head around one of those uh, six-pack uh, you know, plastic things, right? Show show a, a shark swallowing a straw, sticking out like it's smoking a cigar. Oh, okay. Not understanding that nearly 100% of this, this level of waste comes from Asia, China and the Philippines and Vietnam, right? Where they just dump stuff right into the water. Nobody cares. It doesn't come from here. And in California, we ban it. You go, oh, Arif. Let them do it if it feels good. No, no, no. They're doing it instead of the work to improve the roads, instead of the work to cut waste, fraud, abuse, instead of the work to reduce the expenses that we are spending our money on because we have a finite amount of money. So when you're not spending the time and the effort and the money in fixing the roads, in reducing the red tape so people will, can start businesses, in eliminating some of this uh, onerous regulatory stuff where you have seven agencies that have to approve one thing before it can ever, uh, I can ever build a restaurant or, 
or uh, grade my land, right? Have you seen people try to grade their land? Uh, you moved dirt the wrong way and you will be fined. And now they're using satellite images to say, I saw your 50-acre parcel, but you uh, shifted the way dirt moved. You're like, what? Yeah, pay us $20,000. They're flying drones over your house to see if you, you're doing any work, any movement of soil. Is it... Is that not the police state? How about you guys just go make life a little easier by fixing a stinking pothole? Right? Uh, I mean, those simple things. Now, okay, that still might seem uh, a little bit of a pain, but I get it, Arif. All right. Except this. The people who qual- whose quality of life, whether they're young and starting a business, whether they're in their 30s and 40s and figure they have 10 or 15 or 20 years of this left, and they have to weigh... If I'm going to leave, I have to leave now. And they look back and they see nothing being done because everybody's worried about transgender bathrooms and Target is allowing everybody to trade change in everybody else's bathrooms and bedrooms and, and uh, locker, whatever those things are called, right? Changing rooms. And all of a sudden, normal thinking, maybe even Democrats, normal thinking people say, you know what? I don't know what happened to the Democrat Party. But, you know, I'm out of here. I can't raise my family here. I can't start my business here. I can't retire here. I can't afford to live here, especially if you're not going to fix the potholes or the street lights. So every time they turn around and they spend money on passing legislation for straws and plastic bags, they leave and lose the time and effort and money that it can be to fix other things. So they raise gas taxes, right? You guys have heard me say, I, I have a family that, that go to school and my daughter goes to school in a different uh, state. Oh, it's somewhere around, oh, I don't know, $2.15, $2.20 a gallon for gas. I mean, do you realize here in California, we pull the gas out of the ground, the oil, I should say, out of the ground. We drive it down the street. The refineries are right here in Southern California. We refine it. And then it drives back down the street and it can go into the gas station tanks. And in a lot of these Midwestern states, you're driving gas and oil across massive amounts of land, oil pipelines, massive amounts of states, refining it, driving it back. And you can still do it for $2.20 or 30 or 40 cents a gallon. Symbolism over substance. Remember the lottery? That was going to solve all the education problems. Finally, California will regain the same level it had in the early 70s, which was of the education food chain. And we started laxing it. And today, California spends half, 50%. Now, it's legally mandated to spend 40% of its budget. But today, it spends 50% of its budget on education. And part of the problem is this. Remember the lotto that was supposed to solve the problems? So let's say there's a million dollars that was needed for education. And the lotto comes in and brings in 100000 They just, the state folks, lowered the budget from a million down to 900000 They used the lotto money to pop back in and poof, we're right back where we started. In other words, it isn't like $1.1 million for education. We're still at the same number plus or minus a couple dollars. So why did we even have the lotto? 
Stop the lotto. It's a mess. Stop it. It always affects poor people the most. People that have addiction issues, gambling issues, they go and start spending money. You're not going to fix education. You're not using the money. So what are you doing with it? Ah, symbolism over substance, right? Happy commercials, happy time, everybody's happy, and it's for the children. It's for the children. It's for old people, old people and children. Old people, children, and clean water. Who wants clean water? Raise your hand. Oh, people, children, clean water, clean air, clean air. And then let there be a fire or something, and then it's for firemen too. <laughs> right? doesn't matter. Because who's going to say, I, you know, I hate children. I want dirty water. I want as much dirty air as possible. In fact, give me a plastic bag, dirty, <laughs> dirty air, and that's it. That's all I want. Right? You, you guys know that it's phony. They, they put phony bills on the, on the, uh, the ballot measures, it's why people vote for them. If you say, hey, by the way, you're going to spend more money on your property tax. Oh, no, thanks. But if they say it's for the children, everybody goes, ah, okay. See, with symbolism over substance, real problems don't get solved. People and candidates who could really solve them are attacked for not being part of the socially conscious and social justice warriors. So the people that are really good at the math, really good at the the solutions, the problem solvings, Look at the toxic environment that the left has created, and they say, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm, I'm not going to get into politics. And so we lose a, a, an entire generation of decent people with problem-solving skills with the ability to fix things that may not play well with others. Ask Tom McClintock, right? Some people don't like him, but he's a very big problem-solver. He's good. I would say he's great. But when he was in the state, some people didn't like him. I was up in Sacramento, and they said, ah, you know, Tom can rub people the wrong way. I said, what, 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 back up. Can he solve problems? Oh, yeah, he's very effective. Then who cares? I don't want to date him. I want him to fix my, fix my state. So I love people like him. Folks, we have to have the right people in the right offices. And why would you run if they're going to call you names They're going to find something you did when you were 17 years old and call you a racist. They're going to bring up some tweet or Facebook post, or they're even going to manufacture things like Harry Reid did. You see, you guys forget that. Harry Reid manufactured a whole thing about uh, Mitt Romney, and afterwards he actually admitted it. He said, yeah, we made it all up. We were hoping it would stick. Pelosi, oh my gosh, you guys, have you heard her recent C-SPAN? How, this is how they smear. She actually went on. That's why I think she's losing it. She actually went on and described how they go out and they smear people. And they do this loop back and forth, back and forth. And then they get it into the media and then they go back and they cite media sources and then they come back and then they use it as a same exact thing they did with the Russia hoax. It was exactly the same thing. They leaked it to the media then they used those for the FISA reports, and then they went to the – and they said, you see, it's being reported on Yahoo News and Breitbart or whatever, wherever it was. Phony stuff. Okay, third. One of the reasons I think symbolism over substance can hurt your retirement life, really because there's only so much money and so many taxpayers that are willing to play the game. 
the more we call somebody that makes $50,000 a year in California poor, I'm not saying they are or they aren't. But if we call them poor and then we don't tax them with income and you still are spending more money than ever on stuff that is pretty frivolous, then you have a smaller group of people that can be taxed to pay for the well-being of everybody. So now 50, 60,000, husband, wife, two kids. Okay, now maybe 70, 80,000. So when most people in that tax bracket say, you know what, life is good here. Yeah, I pay a bit more for gas, but I drive a hybrid, then I get uh, subsidized electricity, and the government helped pay for my hybrid. So I'm, I'm good. And then when it comes to them driving on the roads, and they're not paying for the gas because they're driving a hybrid, when it comes for them to them using the services and they're not paying income taxes, and all of that pressure, financial pressure, is going against those on the higher end, those are the people that are mobile. Those are the folks that are retired and say, you know, we could live a pretty nice life, but we're going to move to Florida. We could live a pretty nice life, but we're going to move to Prescott or we're going to go to Phoenix. Right? These things happen because people are having issues. The biggest cities, this is reported uh, in CNBC on uh, 17, October 17. Ready? Biggest U.S. cities are losing hundreds of workers every day, and even more should be fleeing. Okay. Biggest cities are losing hundreds of workers per day. Even more should be fleeing. What are those workers? What are those uh, cities? Los Angeles and San Francisco are two in the state of California. They na- named five of them. Two of them are right here. New York, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Boston. Those are the two where people make the most money. Those are the two where the people are paying the most taxes. Remember, they're the ones with the higher income. So how many people a day are are leaving Los Angeles? 201. Not the state. Last year, the state of California lost 402 people per day. This year, the city of Los Angeles is losing 201 people per day. I'm telling you, it will collapse. I don't know what it will look like when it collapses. I don't know if that means they're just going to give you 50% of your pensions, 80% of your pensions, if they're going to lay off everybody, if they're going to start over, if they're going to take your paychecks. I don't know. It's just a math problem, guys. There just isn't money. I mean, you can believe it. You can say the governor signed a contract. Uh, Legally, they can raise taxes on our pension. Yeah, until they vote not to, until they vote out those politicians, until they pass a different law. 201 people a day. That's number two. More people are leaving New York. Second is Los Angeles, 201. Where are they going? Well, let's take a look. Oh, they're going to places like Texas. Because who moved to Texas? Well, gosh, you have nearly every company that you can think of has an office and or their headquarters in the Dallas, greater Dallas area. It's pretty amazing. Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, right? Toyota, Pepsi, Frito-Lay. A lot of people are leaving uh, Los Angeles and moving to the, the Central Valley, the Fresno area. Okay, we got it. 
But more people are leaving and going to Nevada, Arizona, Washington, Idaho, Colorado. Because you can catch an afternoon uh, flight and have dinner with your family back in Los Angeles, land at Burbank, land at John Wayne. Have lunch, have dinner, turn around and go back home. Right? It's like commuting, a couple of dollars. The money you save in gasoline tax for that week, that was your airline ticket, <laughs> just about. So people don't see their family, some, most, don't see their family every single day. So what do they say? They go, you know what, I'm good. I want to see my kids. I'll check in with them two or three times a month. I'll fly in and drive in, whatever. So symbolism over substance, you see it everywhere with this Proposition 65. (laughs) Prop 65, all the time and money and energy and effort and marketing dollars. There There are chemicals known to the state of California to cause cancer. That was just a lawyer bill. You know that. It was to make attorneys wealthier. Because what happened? Very simple. They just put the signs up everywhere. (laughs) You might grocery stores have them. Every place has these signs. Gas stations, grocery stores. What's the common denominator between the two? Well, they both have chemicals to the state of California that cause cancer. Office buildings in the state of California want you to know that there are chemicals. If, If something is everywhere, it means nothing. You know that? The only reason that we have a red light and a green light is because when you get to the intersection, it can be one or the other. It could be yellow. You might get to the intersection and there aren't any lights. It can be a stop sign. But if you got down, if you went down a street and every single light was red, what would you do? You'd come up, you'd look both ways and you'd drive because they don't mean anything. It doesn't change. It doesn't matter. But today... When they have these Prop 65 signs everywhere, all it does is protect the, the, the companies, the sucker who gets stuck without it. Boom, you're sued. Right? Somebody can say, I, I got sick by the formaldehyde coming off of the carpet and the linoleum floor in your new office building. All right, sign here. So I, I think you have some concerns to watch out because part of this, I don't know, Part of this problem that we see every single day is everybody seems to be in it for themselves and nobody's paying attention to what's better for the country, right? When is the country going to be a priority? When are we going to think, you know what? I'm guessing the country is a, is a pretty important thing to keep, to maintain. How do we do that? So my concern is as that happens, most of you are not going to be in a position to say, I can't wait to, uh, to give my personal freedoms up. And not even the freedoms, my gosh. My personal opinion, right? Everybody runs around being offended. I'm offended that you're offended, so let's be offended about being offended. And everybody turns around about being offended. And before you know it, it means nothing again. It's like racism right? My gosh, there's some real racism out there, guys. And what do we do? We turn around. Every time we turn around, everybody's a racist. And when everybody's a racist, nobody's a racist because everybody's a racist, right? The word is an evil word. You shouldn't be allowed to throw it around unless you have proof. You're talking about it. It means something. Let's, let's get into it. 
right? And suddenly they, they want to use it as a weapon, as a tool, right? They call Dennis Prager anti-Semitic. Excuse me, are you kidding me? He's an anti-Semitic because they just throw it all out there. Somebody has to hold them accountable and say, you guys, knock it off. You're, you're poisoning the words anti-Semitic. You're, meaning, you're making it so it doesn't mean anything. You guys are Prop 65-ing these words. I think I'm going to coin that, right? It's like jumping the shark. Fonzie got to coin that. I'm going to, I'm going to coin when you uh, throw the word out everywhere and you do everything, you're going to Prop 65 it. Everything is Prop 65. <laughs> Your retirement is affected in many ways. Because when you turn around and they're not working on real issues because they're spending time chasing, you know, saving a, a spotted, spotted speckled back salmon and the two of them exist in the Sacramento Delta. Symbolism over substance. We're going to save the fish. So what do they do? They let all the water go out to sea. In Sacramento, when symbolism over substance prevails... They let all the water for the Sacramento River go out to sea. None of it waters the vegetables in the Central Valley, the fruits, the trees. And what happens? They have to use drinking water. And when you have to use drinking water, it means you and I have to spend more for water. And it, people look at it and go, you know what? My Department of Water and Power Bill goes up every single year. I'm out of here. My Southern California Edison bill. Symbolism over substance. I'm going to shut down electricity. Why? Well, you know, because uh, it has to look like I ma- it matters when the wind blows and I don't want your house to burn. So I'm going to shut down electricity. A business says, I can't operate that way. It's going to cost me so much for batteries and a generator. I'm leaving. But at least Southern California Edison and PG&E look like they did something. It affects you guys. Please be careful. Hey, you have any questions? You want me to help you with your retirement accounts? That's my job. Sometimes we get, we get down roads here that, that I, I see as a concern, and I want you ta- safe and protected, and we can do that with some or part of your money. I'm the Total Financial Hour. That's me, Arif Hallaby, on AM870, The Answer. Thanks for being with us. TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions. Every week at this time on AM870, The Answer. Has a plan for me, higher income strategy, I'll retire comfortably.